You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. And the standoff. Those odds are much better. Still four against three. What the hell? Oh my what God. the hell? No! Oh my God! Undisputed Arabali Tomasa Champa! But what the hell has gotten into Ben Baller? You talk about shocking the system! Let's just take a step back um, for a second. You know, that kick to Johnny Gogano's uh, head right there. I mean, I look at you. I, I feel a, a different sense in Phil, Finn Balor. I, I see a, a different look in Finn Balor's eyes. Do we see a, a different Finn Balor, or is this just the old Finn Balor coming out? I say this is a real Finn Balor. Let's just say the prince is back. <laughs> It's a brand new episode of What Comes Next, Cinema Geekly's NXT Companion Podcast. It is Anthony and Jacqueline, and we are back to talk NXT on the USA and WWE networks. Uh, it is the fourth week, uh, the the end of the fourth week of the Great War of Wednesdays, although de- great is becoming a diminishing word around yeah, these parts. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I, think we, I think everyone's kind of sunk in the ratings. It's getting less great every week. But AEW seems to have that 18 to 49 demographic that everyone is always after. Yes. That's yeah. like the... That's essentially the currency in yeah. television advertisement. Uh, like, if you, you can have great ratings, but if your demo is like WWE's right now and it skews 50 and older, advertisers yeah. don't not, want anything to do with you. Yeah, they're not the people buying stuff. Yeah, they want to advertise to younger people with more disposable income, people who, who potentially don't, don't have, have families or brand loyalty. Yeah. Or <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. They haven't developed their brand loyalty. They're not stuck in their ways yet or set in. Their yeah. Ways. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in that regard, AEW is doing very good, much better, well, yeah. beyond, much better than NXT and well beyond expectations. I will talk about ratings and stuff and who won, the battle this week a little bit later on. And before we talk about the show, uh, you messaged yeah. me and wanted to talk about this. Yes. Uh, Jordan Miles uh, t-shirt. T-shirt controversy. Controversy. So there's been a lot of developments in this thing. Even since mm-hmm. you messaged me and wanted to talk about it, there's been yep. a lot. Uh, so been. the shirt in question was actually... It, it wasn't just plopped out yesterday. It was, it actually had been out for a while. Uh, it, it had come out alongside all of those other awful NXT shirts that 
looked like they went to some poor graphic designer and they're like, look, we need 50 logo designs and we need them by tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Is what it felt like. Uh, but this was the worst. So the uh, the Jordan Miles t-shirt that they came up with, it's kind it's it's obvious, especially when you look at the shirt, but it's mm-hmm. also doubly obvious if you're thinking about what they were thinking of, which is, what's the thing I hate most about Jordan Miles' presentation? It's, he's, he's the dude who smiles big smiles. I, I mm-hmm. hate it. I don't like it. Uh, but that's his thing. That's his branding. So it's clear that they wanted to do some sort of smiley logo, right? And mm-hmm. the shirt that in, in question that is shown is an all black shirt. And the logo design definitely is reminiscent of a smile. Unfortunately, if you know anything about racism in this country... It is more reminiscent of, like, a Sambo doll, uh, Mm -hmm. like the blackface dolls, like the complete, like, pitch black face with giant red lips and a huge grin. Yeah. It looked very reminiscent of that. Now, to be fair... No. (laughs) No, I'm I'm stating uh, there is a to be fair to WWE here. The shirt was taken down, like, almost immediately and was replaced with another crappy jordan miles logo shirt to fit with all the other crappy ones so it was taken down very quickly now what jordan miles uh aka albert hardy jr got upset about he said that he didn't like it from the get-go it was the fact that it was even brought up to him and that it was even it even made it through any layers of the company to the point where it was turned into a shirt and put out for sale to begin with and he was uncomfortable in the first place. He hated it from the get-go, and he just didn't say anything, and he couldn't not say anything anymore. And he got That's really fair. upset about it. And He uh, he is very upset about it. And I think he has a right to be like that. Mm-hmm. How dare they? Like, no. That just to me means, like, you're not... You're not in... You don't get it. Right. I mean, I would say... At worst, you have somebody racist working for you, but at best, you have somebody who's insensitive or ignorant to it. Um, ignorance can be forgiven if somebody learns from it. Uh, it's understandable. There are a lot of people who have absolutely no idea about the various branches of racism in the past of the United States. So... Uh, it's understandable that somebody may have never heard of or seen that particular thing before and didn't make right. the connection. You can... No, but this should have gone through levels and checks and pe- someone should have realized someone it. There, sh- this is... there is, yes, there is someone who's somewhere along the line should have noticed and uh, said, no. Yeah. Like other and, than um, Jordan miles, but yeah, exactly. Right. Like this should never have gotten to him. I don't so, know. It, when the, I saw it, I was very upset. The plot thickened. Because WWE, uh, this was getting some steam in the press, Mm -hmm. they released a statement saying that uh, they work closely with the talent on designs for merchandise, and that the shirt would not have gone through without the approval (gasps) of the talent. Now, Jordan Miles came back 
and said that he, in fact, did originally approve of the design. So he backed up their story, but said that when he saw it, it was not presented on a black background. It was presented on a white background. Um, and you don't okay. really notice it unless it's on the black background. On a black background. Um, and you can, and it's part of this like cheap WWE shirt system where you can change the shirt color. It could be on a gray background or a pink background, you know, whatever. Um, but it wasn't until it was on a black background where you're like, holy moly, that looks really not good. Uh, and, uh, he had said that, uh, he was afraid to outright reject the idea. So he, yeah. So he instead offered counter, uh, uh, like counter proposals or things along those lines. And uh, he said that somebody from the WWE marketing team or whatever had lied to his face. He actually, now this is bringing up some other points. So there are some people now who think that he is purposefully trying to leave the company because he did something here that would probably get anybody else fired from any other job like this. He actually posted a screenshot of an email exchange between him and somebody who works in WWE. Oh. Including that person's email address and told people, if you don't believe me, here's the email. And if you have questions, you can email him yourself. Wow. Uh, So things are getting really heated here. (laughs) Uh, In the email, by the way, it suggests that uh, Triple H uh, didn't want to go with the alternate idea and that he liked the logo as it was and said he wanted a logo that was more quote teethy unquote i'm guessing Ooh. because of i'm guessing because of the uh. smile but who knows uh no. at, at this point and i look all i'm going to say is i was wondering why this dude won the tournament and we haven't seen him on tv it sounds like there's a lot of strife going on i have no idea yes. what the intentions really were behind this design it doesn't uh, matter. They should they should have pulled it. And throughout the entire story, the one thing I did not hear is mm-hmm. there is no a- apology. Yeah, instead of instead of coming out like, and saying that they work with the talent on their merchandise design, they should have just forgotten all of that and just admitted right. that they that this design was unintentionally insensitive. Up. Yes, they which should- is ho- which is bad enough, right? Unintentional yes. insensitive insensitivity. Yes, but like admit it apologize and then you know try and get people to move on instead that now yes. there's this whole um uh uh twitter hashtag um hashtag for the culture yes. and it's wrestler african-american wrestlers across all um promotions coming together and yeah. i'm just now and it's kind of cool to see i now follow jordan miles on twitter because and like for context on this mm-hmm. um like when we first started this podcast i w- hadn't watched wrestling yeah very long at all so and I don't read wrestling news. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes and all that stuff. But I saw this. Like, yeah. This came to me. And I was just like, oh, if I'm seeing this, mm-hmm. there's I mean, plenty of people seeing this. It's getting really <laughs> rough out there. Uh, he tweeted a tweet that he then deleted where he went after a former Ring of Honor champion. Uh, he had worked in Ring of Honor for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Miles did. Um, he went after Ring of Honor for only having one black champion in their history, but then went on to call that one particular wrestler an Uncle Tom, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a pretty offensive statement to say to somebody else. I don't know why he would call him that. 
Uh, like, I'm not really sure what the story is there. He talked about how wrestlers like himself and Cedric Alexander weren't given the shots that this other wrestler were given. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds like it's getting really, really heated. And it, it, it I, is. Don't, and then, uh, I don't know how I, this guy is going to keep his job, to be honest, at this point. Well, and I read some of the comments on the things, and a lot of people are bringing up, like, everything that happened with Kofi Kingston and all that. And, like, that stuff should be talked about. Yeah. Um. It sucks that this is what got it to, like, this public forum, but... Um, it's crazy. If he loses his job, I, like, if they release him from his contract, I may not watch NXT anymore, because that's crap. Well, I think he's <laughs> trying to get released, is my feeling. I don't think he's... I don't think he's trying to stay there. I think he wants out. Um, mm. And, you know, they're at, guess... a, they're at a stage where... Um, they don't want to release anybody right now because they don't want anybody mm-hmm. to go to AEW. Although, honestly, I don't think he would go there. So, so he's uh, just going to drift into obscurity. Maybe, maybe he'd go back to Japan, which is where he was mostly uh, mm-hmm. wrestling prior to this. But yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say for sure. Like these are all parties with people that I don't know personally, so I can't sit here right. and say for sure what exactly is going on. I just know that. Here's what this guy's saying. Here's what the company is saying. Here's what he's saying about other people. It's it's so. tough. It's tough to say. Although Cedric Alexander's wife did jump in with his, uh, his like hashtag and the profile picture thing, and said mm-hmm. she was going to be writing like a like a blog post about all of this. So hmm. it'll be interesting to see what further bubbles from this. Um, mm-hmm. They could they could have shut it down much easier, but they. They didn't. I mean, yeah. it is, it's a big mess. Like they did, it, it's not like they lied. They said that they do work with talent and that talent has to approve designs. And he said that he did approve it, but you know, are you in a, in a position where you feel like you have to approve everything or you don't, you don't want to, probably you don't want to, you know, yeah. You Rus- don't want to ruffle feathers. You don't want to tip the apple cart as, as it were. So, yeah. So more on that as it develops, but yeah, man. that's all. That's all unpleasant stuff. Let's talk about a fun show of of NXT <laughs> episode five hundred and thirty. What uh, a transition! <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're the masters of segues at Cinema Geekly, <laughs> as always. Uh, we open right away. Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Yeah. Uh, so they test and thus prove their strength to each other in the early mm-hmm. going. Both of these women strong. Uh, Trading momentum a lot, but Bianca uh, appears to finally wear her down and takes control, uh, heading into the first picture-in-picture break. And Bianca had control throughout. Nothing of importance. We come back, and Rhea makes a big comeback. Uh, She tries her submission hold, but Bianca manages to escape. Then Io tries to run in and screw everything up. Uh, She gives uh, Rhea her tiger faint kick, but uh, Ripley kicks out. Uh, oh, no, she gets her with the tiger faint kick, and then Bianca gives her a spear for it, too. Uh, yes. Candace comes out to remove Eo. Uh, Bianca tries uh, to get her finisher on Rhea, but Rhea counters it, hits her with the riptide, and gets the win. Uh, I oh. thought these two were really good together. They were really good together. And like it, as the match was starting, I was like, man, I was like, Eo, Eo's going to come out. And uh, I'm glad she did but didn't ruin the end of the match or have it call as a draw you mm-hmm. know so um props for that but yeah these ladies were 
awesome. I respect respect the crap out of both of these um, yeah. athletes. Like they're just amazing. And um, Bianca's uh, gymnastics was just like amazing during this whole thing. Like while she was taking a hit, mm-hmm. I was like, "Damn, girl!" <laughs> oh yeah, like she does. Like they do this one uh, this one spot where. Uh, Rhea gives Bianca like the Spartan kick from like 300 like Bianca mm-hmm. jumps up at her and Rhea just boots her and Bianca goes flying back lands on her back but then like flips over onto her stomach like yeah. there's a lot of that she she looked great throughout this uh, she did. and she's looking a whole lot better one thing that's t- I don't know why it hit me here especially because you I think you mentioned this weeks ago when talking about Rhea Ripley you wanted to know whatever it was she was yeah. wearing to like how like I'm I'm mesmerized like I'm looking yeah. at this shirt and it's like a it shirt shouldn't with, hold it yeah it looks like just a plain t-shirt with no sleeves and it looks like there's almost no back like there's uh like they cut around the neck and around the back and they're just tied and I have mm-hmm. no idea if she's even wearing anything under it but she must. Yeah. But I don't know what it is or how it works or anything. Yeah, big up to whoever put her her gear together because, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm serious. That's a that is amazing. It must be a um, t-shirt also, from another dimension that they mm-hmm. it doesn't follow the the same physics like the physics laws that we have here because it's yeah. ridiculous. But continuing through, it's thought. pretty cool. Oh, I was gonna say, um, I don't know the name of the ref in this match. Um, and I've seen him at some of the live shows, and he's not my favorite. He's not Jessica, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did like about him was that um, Rhea, at one point, like, studs were coming off of her outfit, and yeah. he was, like, picking them up picking so them no up. one got hurt. Yeah. I was like, that's a sly move right there. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty quick with it. Yeah, she took, like, a bump, and, like, just pieces of her, like, yeah. outfit fell off into the ring. And he was, like, he's, he's like swift to pick those up and pocket them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, like, a very smooth, like thing and i was like okay by the way what you're doing. i like refs having names it's a shame that only one referee has a name in nxt mm-hmm. uh that i'm aware of i would just like to yeah. point out for these purposes every referee in AEW has a name and i know all of them mm. i could i could I... tell you by the referee it could be like that's this guy that's this girl that's this guy yeah mm. yeah but anyway, that's my thought on that one. Yeah, that's a super tiny point. <laughs> it's not, not worth go, <laughs> not worth dying on a hill over, but it is it is a small thing. Uh, what did you give Rhea and Bianca? I gave it a three. Okay, I went. Uh, oh my god, my grapple just reset on me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, stalling for time. Uh, so as I open grapple here, uh, I gave it three and a quarter. Okay. So I'm a little bit above you, but. Uh, grapple right here with us. 2.9. Wow. I I think it should have been a little bit above that on average. Uh, I think the match was a little bit better than that on average, but you know, to oh, each their own grapple. It's okay to be wrong. Uh, Pete Dunn is outside with Tyler Bate. Uh, he's being asked about his loss to punishment Martinez. And Tyler Bate is aghast. When Pete Dunn's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's a loss. And he's like, Tyler Bates, like, but he hit you low. And, <laughs> but Pete Dunn, though, is Pete Dunn. And he's just like, there's no excuses, but a receipt is coming for Punishment Martinez. <laughs> and then my favorite part of this interview, 
She's like, what about T- Tyler Bates face? No. <laughs> yes. My favorite part of this interview is when she's like, what about Killian Dane? And, and Pete Dunn says he doesn't care about Killian Dane. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> no uh, one cares about Killian Dane, Pete. No. Uh, a Tommaso Ciampa profile video is uh, then shown as well. And then we get Matt Riddle and Cameron Grimes. Why? Uh, d- d- I mean, to do the thing they've been doing with Matt Riddle lately, apparently. Why are they doing this thing with Cameron Grimes? That's what I still don't get. <laughs> uh, they like. I mean, look, this was the best Cameron Grimes has looked, I thought. I'll agree, but also, like, I don't want to see him. I really love the ending. We'll get to the ending. What What happened to Lo- Dexter Loomis? Where's he been? I have no idea. Pro- maybe prison. That would make sense. <laughs> After that tournament, like, somebody was like, oh, my God, there's a warrant out for this man's arrest. They saw him on TV. Is there really? No, there's not, unfortunately. Oh. But That would <laughs> be incredible, really? right? That would be a fun story to tell. Yes. Like there was a warrant out for his arrest, and he was dumb enough to appear on television. Or on TV, yeah. Like, like you deserve everything. He's you crazy, get everybody. Uh, <laughs> so Tyler Bate is shown watching this match in the crowd. Uh, Grimes and Riddle both try to finish each other off early. Uh, just like uh, it, it seemed as if both expected each other to go for their finishes, and they both avoided them. Uh, Riddle out wrestles him, then kicks his ass with strikes and suplexes. The crowd starts chanting for Matt Riddle in the cadence of Goldberg. Are you are you familiar uh, with Goldberg? Goldberg, right? Yes. Yeah. So Matt Riddle then does Goldberg's move to Cameron Grimes, the jackhammer. Oh, didn't get that. And the crowd continues to chant his name like Goldberg. I wrote here, super strange. Uh, this largely stems from the like these tweets that Matt Riddle did when they brought in Goldberg to have this match okay. with the Undertaker in Saudi Arabia, and they had a, oh, a terrible match. Ugh. And they're screwing up moves, and Matt Riddle was just going after Goldberg about like how he sucks and he's not a good wrestler. And I don't know if you remember this, but a while back, I don't remember if it was Undisputed Era or somebody, somebody had chastised Matt Riddle on a promo about like going back to making tweets about people from the Monday Night Wars or something. Yeah, yeah. That was in reference to the situation, and gotcha. it's it's continued because uh, there was like a they did this Goldberg documentary recently, and he bumps into Matt Riddle backstage, <laughs> where he tells Matt Riddle he doesn't want to be his bro, and Matt Riddle says, "Okay, bro." <laughs> I don't know why this is a thing, but it's they're trying to make it something happen here, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Cameron Grimes does this awesome backflip into a German suplex on Matt Riddle. Uh, They come back from the break with Riddle still winning on Grimes. Uh, Grimes finally hits another move, I wrote, but was immediately cut off. Uh, It is at this point that I note that this match is like 98% Matt Riddle just beating him up. Uh, There's a really good strike exchange that ends with the Spanish fly crossbody that Cameron Grimes does for a two. Uh, Matt Riddle shakes it off, kills him, hits him with the bro Derek for the win. What did you think? Um, so this match is everything I don't like about the two-hour um, NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that the beginning of this match was so boring. Like, once we got back from the commercial break, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I had to, like, forget that the first half of this match happened. Um, it makes no sense. Like, it really doesn't. Like, there's no reason to draw it out for the sake of drawing it out. Yeah, they've got to fill the time. 
Okay. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Uh, I really yeah. liked it. I really liked it. I'm even even in the beginning. I thought it was it wasn't amazing, but I thought it was fine. I thought they were doing a good job. And then the uh, coming back from the break, it really picked up, and I thought it was was really good. It did really pick up, and um, I thought that uh, I don't know. I you're I agree that I think this is the best I've seen Cameron Grimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did I did enjoy that. And this was um, big on. This was another big. Matt Riddle takes most of the match, hits all of his cool stuff, and wins, just like yeah. last week. So they're heading somewhere with Matt Riddle, presumably for the world title, but we'll see. It's looking like a crowded world title picture in NXT right now. Yeah. I'm just worried he's going to go to SmackDown. Yeesh. Uh, so what did you give Grimes and Riddle? I gave it a three as well. Okay, so a little bit higher than even the previous match. I went three and a half. Uh, but Grapple was 3.6. Damn, Grapple! So they were above me. Unreal. Uh, Mm -hmm. post-match, Cameron Grimes turns down a bro-ship, unfortunately, with Matt Riddle. Uh, but Matt Riddle goes to Tyler Bate at ringside, and Bate gladly accepts the fist bump. Uh, Grimes can't believe this and shoves Bate. And then Grimes very, very carefully goes back up the stairs to put his hat on. And when he does, Tyler Bate punches him in the face and hilariously sends, like, his hat flying off of his head. I mean, someone had to teach him a lesson. I thought that was very cartoonish, but funny. Yep. I enjoyed it. He's a big, strong boy. He is a big, strong boy. And especially (laughs) since Tyler Bate does the like, raises one fist in the air to distract you. You're yeah. like, what's that? And then he punches you with the other fist, and it sent his his hat flying. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Uh, they announced a six-man with the Sons of Forgottenness and a Breezango mystery partner. Uh, they Is show- Kushida real? Was it Kushida who was supposed to be with them? Uh, they said that it was supposed to be Kushida. But he, okay. but he has the hairline fracture with from the Walter match. Is that uh, real? That is, in that's fact, as far saying. as I know, legit. Yeah, I think that's okay. legit, which is a shame. Uh, Donovan, 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 Dominic, Donovan used to be his old name. Oh. Dominic Dijakovic warming up backstage, and this was the first of these three warming up backstage with an inset promo where they're in a black room, looking slightly askew to the camera. And reciting scripted lines. I don't think these promos were particularly good, but they were basically nah. pretty generic about, I'm this, I'm that, I'm going to win. This is essentially what the promos were. Yep, again, time waster. Uh, Commissioner Regal announces a tag team match tonight where the winners will face the Kabuki Warriors for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships on next week's NXT. That was yeah. an interesting curveball. Yeah, was not expecting that. So Breezango comes out here, and they are in the Air Force now. And yet another different, yeah. They... Yeah. So I have renamed them Top Gun Zango for this particular match. That's too long. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, don't think, you don't think Top Gun Zango would be a good team name going no. forward? It just rolls off the tongue, huh? It sure does. <laughs> uh, and they team with Swerve. I love Swerve. So Isaiah happy. Scott. And it's the Forgotten Sons. So 
the opening of this match made no sense to me. I wrote down here, Jackson Riker literally manhandles everyone, then stupidly tags out. Now, if you're just judging from the beginning of this match, if you're looking at it from a perspective of somebody who wants to try to project what the outcome of this match might be from the way it Mm -hmm. starts, if you're projecting how how this match might go based on how it began, Riker beat up all three of these guys by himself. Theoretically, if he just stayed in there, he would have won this match for his team because he was beating up all of these dudes. But like a fool, he tags out. <laughs> and then, uh, look, I'm going to have fun doing this every week as long as they keep doing it. The next sentence reads, Fandango shakes his ass heading into the commercial break. <laughs> That's kind of what he's doing. Oh, with his like his hip his hip circles. Yeah, somebody tries to do like a sunset flip on him, and they try to pull him down for the pin, but he won't go down. And then eventually, he shakes his hips, hovering over top of them. Yes, mm-hmm. the crowd That's loves fun. it, and you can't yeah you can't blame the crowd for loving it. Uh, coming back the from the break, the uh, the Suns are in control, and then something that may have actually earned this star rating I gave this match all on its own happened, Jacqueline. They mm-hmm. So when we left from commercial break, Fandango was beating up the Forgotten Son that he was in the ring with. But we came back from the break, and the Forgotten Sons are in control, and then they go to a replay where they actually show us the change in momentum. So we didn't what? get left out of the story. We got to see the move that turned oh, yeah. the tide in the favor of the Forgotten Sons. Hmm. Weird. That's actually nice. It's nice to know, hey... What happened? How come the bad guys are winning now? It's nice to see. <laughs> uh, Breeze uh, gets beaten on. Hot tag to Fandango. Uh, he runs wild for a bit. Then Swerve comes in. Uh, there's a triple team by the Forgotten Sons, and the pin is broken up. Swerve does this crazy moonsault off of Jackson Riker's chest onto the other Sons on the floor. It's pretty awesome. Moro Ronaldo shouts, Great Scott! <laughs> Oh, Moro. Uh, <laughs> chaos breaks loose. Swerve hits this, like, jumping back-of-the-head kick thingy uh, yeah. for the win. It, I don't know what the name of it is, but it always looks great. Uh, and scary. Yeah, I thought this was a fun match. I have written in here, have the Forgotten Sons gotten better? Because I really liked this match. They haven't. It's just Fandango is a fun act, and Swerve, and Swerve is really is good. amazing. Yeah. Um... But this was, like, the triple team um, move that they hit, I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, all the And, you know, because they all flew outside at one point, and I was just like, damn. It was just, it was a very fun, good match, and I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad Swerve was in there with them, and the best part happened after the match when Swerve and Fandango had a little dance-off. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> of course, I mean, they, I mean, you know, Swerve was good. He did. He was better than Kushida at dancing, for sure. Yes, yes. Far and away. Uh, what did you give the six man? Believe it or not, I gave it a three and a half. Wow. Okay, so I went with a three. So we're like on like swapping. We're, we're swapping around. Uh, grapple two point eight eight. Wow. <laughs> I guess closer to me. Much closer to you. I don't know. I just really Look, enjoyed this match. It's the Forgotten Sons. Right, and I get that, but I don't know. There was something about this match that I was just like, I get this. I'd forgotten about this next backstage bit. 
until I'd read it here and now I remember it. It's funny. I don't know if it's as funny in my mind as it may have actually been, but uh, I wrote here, Undisputed Era backstage admiring Roderick Strong as he stretches a band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like real weird. He's like stretching this band and like they're just watching him. Like, look at that man. Let's look at him stretch that band. And there's a Roddy promo. And guess what he says, Jacqueline? He says he's going to win this match. Yes. No way of no, just the unpredictable is always Roderick Strong. Uh, mm-hmm. Leo Rush comes out to commentate the next match. <laughs> there is some fun. I think it maybe it's funnier in my mind as I write these things down because I just write what comes to mind as I see them. Me There's too. a Killian Dane thing backstage, sort of. I write here Killian Dane is homeless and he says he'll break Pete Dunn. I think it was because he was uh, out. He was outside clearly somewhere, and there was a like a, a trash fire burning in a like a steel drum. <laughs> it's it's literally the Forgotten Sons' backyard, right? Like that's where yes. they did their promo. <laughs> that's where this happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm like, is Killing Dane homeless? Like, why is he by like a trash fire? Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, so. Hey, you remember when Leo Rush came out to commentate a match? Now we get to see what match that was that he came out to commentate. Uh, Angel Garza versus the gentleman, Jack Gallagher, who makes, of <laughs> course, sparse appearances for uh, NXT. Uh, so we get a, uh, a great grappling display uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. of this match. Uh, Jack ends up ripping off Garza's pants, so Angel did not get to do them when he wanted to. Uh, Garza with, uh, I wrote here, I don't even know what this was now. Maybe I should have, uh, oh no, now I remember what it is. He, uh, Garza catapults Jack Gallagher out of the ring and then goes to do, like, goes to do this dive, but instead, like, slides down and just slaps Gallagher in the face. Yeah. And then Leo Rush calls him a trickster. Yeah. (laughs) Which almost breaks more Ronaldo. Like, he almost starts laughing, but then keeps it under wraps. (laughs) Um, they get back into the ring and then Garza hits a a moonsault thing and wins. This was Mm -hmm. underwhelming. I thought this match was actually going to be a lot of fun, but it did not go very long. And then it ended out of nowhere. Man, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I liked this match a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I think part of it to me was I loved how much Leo Rush loved the match. Like, I think that he was like, man, these guys are really good. Like, he he almost yeah. seemed like a fan himself, and I really enjoyed that about it. Um, I also think Gar- it was a short match, but I think Garza really shows his personality while he's wrestling, and so yes. to me that's always fun. Yes. There was also one one point in time where Gallagher, like, headbutted Garza. Um, mm-hmm. It was, like, in his neck, though. Like, it was really a weird area where his head landed. It looked and sounded just so nasty that I was like all right, these guys are, like, serious. Yes. <laughs> this is this is happening, but yeah. One of my favorite... Um, you're talking about how much you loved Leo Rush on the commentary. Yeah. Um, this, ties, this sort of ties in. My favorite Jack Gallagher match was mm-hmm. actually the first time I ever saw him in WWE was in the Cruiserweight Championship tournament thingy they did, which was, was done... Was that when he came out with the umbrella? Uh, this was prior to that. That's my favorite thing. Um, this was the. This is like when they entered. They did this cruiserweight tournament, where they even brought in guys that didn't end up getting signed. Uh, oh wow! 
It's so it was akin to the Mae Young classic before they did the Mae Young, and it was done in full sail. Oh, uh, wow. And Gallagher was a good guy character. I think he's supposed to be a little bit more of a bad guy character now, but uh, back then he was more of a good guy character. And it was him and Fabian Eichner from Imperium now. Wow. And Wait. It was Fabian Eichner was in the Cruiserweight, Cruiserweight Classic, yes. Isn't he the bald one? He is. The one that is bigger than Marcel Bartel. Damn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, and... The commentary team was Mauro Ronaldo and Daniel Bryan. This is before he came back from his thing. Injury. Uh, and Gallagher was doing all of these old-timey British reversals and holds. And you've never heard anyone happier than Daniel Bryan calling this man's match. He's like, I don't know if it's possible to fall in love with a man by watching him on your TV screen, but I think it's happening right now. Uh, like, you could hear him just kind of squeal with joy sometimes at things that, like, just wrestling things he would do. But, um, That's crazy. I, yeah, this was short. I, I was just surprised at how short it was. I went, I went two and a half on this. I thought it was average. Okay. I blew you out of the water with my score. Oh, my you goodness. Went- Okay. I went three and three quarters. I don't wow. know. I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> Look, Grapple was technically, Grapple is closer to you. They went 2.7. So they were closer to me. They were closer to, I mean, they are. Uh, they're, they're in so much as that they are higher than I am. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just, I must have been in a good mood when I watched this match or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed I, it. I was too. I think it just. What it was is, like, I think I had expectations, and then they didn't gotcha. meet. And maybe it's a little weird, because Garza, they're putting Garza in this position to be a challenger for the Cruiserweight title, but, you know, Ciampa, mm-hmm. like, wasted him last week, so I don't know what they're doing here. I guess, for me, I think that this match is what I want out of a match. It is entertaining mm-hmm. and short. <laughs> what I like. <laughs> you don't want those 30-minute I classics. don't. I hate them. <laughs> uh, Unless it's Keith Lee and Dominic. Dijakovic, but we'll talk about that later. The uh, our number one contenders for the women's tag team title match, the Fly Kicks, uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Was oh, that their uh, their tag team name when they were a tag team? Uh, yeah, because Tegan likes to fly and Dakota likes to, of course, kick. Kick. Uh, and they're taking on Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir. Uh, I will say, um. This is partially excusable because NXT does not really have a women's tag team division. But mm-hmm. uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai both recently have singles wins, but that's about it. And Duke and Shafir, I can't remember the, the last time they won a tag team match or any match for that matter. So it is kind of a sad number one contenders match here. But that being mm-hmm. said, uh, Duke with a, a cheap shot to gain control of this match early on. This match also wasn't very long. Uh, they beat on Dakota for a little bit. Dakota gets the tag into Tegan. She runs wild for a little bit and then hits the shiniest wizard for the win. That was it. Yeah. It's very short. Um, and I think part of the reason, I mean, I like that NXT is trying not to put like random tag teams together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like not um, Knox and Kai were a tag team. So like, at least they know, how to tag team, I guess. Yeah, they yeah, they teamed before WWE. I don't think they ever teamed yeah. in NXT, but yes. Right, that's what I mean. So but but I mean because it's a different style, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't look as yes. um uh spastic. 
so yeah. So maybe I, I just think they were waiting for the right people to be there. So mm. I get it. Uh, what what would you give this very short match? So I thought this was a bit clunky, um, but I will say I do think people are moving in the right direction. Everyone seems to be progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it a solid two. Okay, I went one and a half. I thought it was I thought it was clunkier than you. Uh, Although grapple one point eight three. All right, all right. So they're on there. I think they're closer to being on board with you with that too. They are. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about post match real quick. Mm. I feel like this. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll tell a different story when they actually come out next week. But I thought this was a little telling. Uh, The Kabuki Warriors. That would be the women's champions, Asuka and Kairi Sane appear on the video screen. And I thought for sure when this happened, this crowd was going to go nuts because they love Kyrie, former women's right. champion. They love Asuka even more, who is like the most dominant women's wrestler in WWE like History. ever. Yes. And of, of course these people are going to go nuts and they don't actually, They're actually kind of quiet. Uh, Asuka and Kyrie mock Tegan and Dakota in Japanese. And Kyrie, bless her. But she's so small. She's so tiny. Thus, her voice is also tiny. When she says stuff like, you have no chance, it just sounds adorable. Like, it doesn't sound like a menacing bad guy. It just sounds, you know, like, aw, we don't have a chance? Boy, I like that <laughs> Kyrie saying. It's hard to make her a bad guy. She's right. likable. Even when she's trying to be hated, she's likable. Uh, now maybe this crowd, when maybe this crowd next week when they come out here, they're going to go like berserk for these two. I think they will. I think um, part of it was it was a lackluster match. Yeah. So for that to follow, I don't know. I just, I mean, if they came out, I think it would have been like mm-hmm. an an awakening of the crowd, you know. So yeah. um, part of it, part of it is that they're bad guys too, and. This crowd, I don't think, doesn't want to boo either of them because they're like fair. they're like you know homecoming heroes to this audience, and they're going to come in as bad guys. Uh, I don't know. Uh, backstage, Keith Lee was listening to her podcast, but then stopped abruptly so he could hear himself say that he was going to win the match later tonight. I, presumably, that's why he took the earbuds out to hear himself. Uh, yeah, talk about he wanted me. to make he wanted to make sure they had the right sound bite. Uh, they announced the women's tag team title match for next week. They announce Tyler Bate and Cameron Grimes for next week. So that makes sense. And they announce another match that makes sense for next week. Io Shirai and Candice LeRae in a rematch from Woo-hoo. the last NXT takeover. Event. Who won the first one? Uh, that was Io. Yes. So Candice is probably going to win. That. But that was a very good match. And I expect oh, another yeah, no, good one was. here. So, um, Absolutely. main event. For the NXT North American Championship, Roderick Strong, the fool, who got himself into this mess against Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. So, match starts with Roddy hiding out while Lee and Dijak fight. It is essentially uh, any scene from a recent Godzilla movie where you see, like, the two big monsters fighting and the humans just go hide. That's yeah. what happened here. Roderick took cover in a, in a building somewhere. Yeah, I... I... I wrote here, um, Roderick Strong looks so small. Like, he's not a small guy, but, like, he's not, compared but to these two, like... They're huge, God. yeah. 
I did not realize how tall they were because you usually see them next to each other. Especially Dijakovic, because <laughs> Keith Lee, like, he looks big, and then Dijakovic height wise is like bigger than him. It's he's it's like crazy. six seven or something like that. Yeah, so it's crazy. Uh, we go to a picture-in-picture picture break, during which uh, Dijakovic takes control. Coming back from the break, Lee starts fighting back, and then Roderick shows up to dispatch uh, Keith Lee, hits a superplex on Dijakovic. Then a three-way battle ensues, uh, which sees Roderick laid out, and then Dijakovic suplexes Keith Lee onto Roderick's body. No fun. Yep. Uh, they go out onto the floor where they fight. So many things happen. That I just wrote awesome counters on the floor. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're do- just doing a whole bunch of stuff back and forth. Then they do this ridiculous Tower of Doom. And yeah. it was so ambitious uh, what they wanted to do. Usually this Tower of Doom spot is two guys are going to do a superplex. And then another guy comes in underneath to powerbomb the one man who is su- trying to superplex the other. And they normally just do this in one fluid motion. But... They wanted to be ambitious, and they wanted to do a a thing where Dijakovic lifts up Roderick Strong and holding him in suplex position in the air, and then have Keith Lee powerbomb Dijakovic, and thus also, you know, flooring Roderick Strong as well. And basically, thanks to Keith, Keith Lee's immense strength, this managed to work, but yes. Keith Lee in in saving this, like when he landed, basically fell to the floor through the ropes. Uh, <laughs> but it was so crazy that they replay, they replayed this like four times, even though the move did not actually go according to plan. It didn't. And I don't know if it was, was it Dijakovic who couldn't pick Roderick Strong up or is it Roderick Strong not getting himself up? No, it's that uh, Dijakovic got him up, but yeah. Lee couldn't hold, hold it like something uh it's like one tiny shift in the body weight and he kind of lost it and then he did everything he could in his power to not drop them in a dangerous way and essentially sort of sacrificed his own falling down motion which is why he sort of tumbled to the outside a little bit um crazy it's it okay it wasn't perfect but it was it was a sight was impressive yeah it was a sight to see because Roderick Strong was probably 10 feet up in the air. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, we turn. We return from the break to see Keith Lee backdrop both of these men at the same time. Roderick hits uh, the pain train on Keith Lee, gives him an Olympic slam for a near fall. Uh, they're out on the floor again, and Roderick comes running at Keith Lee, and Keith Lee throws him into the air. <laughs> Dijakovic catches him on his shoulders and hits Roddy with feast your eyes. And then Lee also pounces Roddy and then Lee and Dijakovic get into the ring to square off and they're fighting. The crowd's going crazy at this point. Uh, Dijakovic hits a choke slam power bomb off the middle rope onto Keith Lee for a two. Uh, Dijakovic then does an out of control dive to the outside I don't know how he didn't die trying to do this flip dive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Keith Lee outshines them all with a yes. no-hand tope flip dive to the outside. Oh, we rewound that and watched it a few times. <laughs> it's bonkers. Because, like, it is, you just, it is like... I, I, 
I can't, I don't have words for it. it. Like, you have to see this. He shouldn't be able to do that at his size. I don't, I, no one should be able to do that. <laughs> like, a man carrying the weight he is carrying should not be able to jump high enough to clear the top rope with no hands and do a front flip. He, he must, like, I don't mean to sound ridiculous, but he must, like, do, like, some ballet conditioning or something. I have no has, idea. Like, the control that he yeah. has over his body, like, it, he has to be dancing. Yeah. Like, that's he, the only thing he's I He's like dance. a, he's a freak athlete for somebody of his size. It's mm-hmm. insane. I've never seen anybody remotely his size with that kind of body control ability. No. It's, it's really insane. Uh, he, he's not done, though. He hits Dijakovic with an avalanche spirit bomb off of the middle rope, but as Dijakovic's body hits... He bounces away from Keith Lee and Roderick, uh, Roderick Strong literally flies in out of the corner of the screen and hits Lee with like a knee or a kick or something and manages to steal the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this insane match? Yeah, just that. It was insane. Um, I, this match did almost what I wanted it to do, and that was just get Strong out of the picture and let the two gentlemen go at it yeah as best they can um i mean it wasn't as great as their other matches of course but holy crap did some of it just deliver yeah this was just fun from beginning to end yeah it and was, it was a lot of fun stuff and i really like that they were just throwing roderick strong around like a rag doll like he was yeah. nothing they needed to get rid of that guy let let us two like we're the ones who want to fight each other like forget about that roderick guy yeah they like and both of them were doing it. Um mm-hmm. the other thing I really liked about this, um, and you had mentioned it when they, they were um Roderick Strong was out on the on the outside of the match and um Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic are just staring at each other mm-hmm. and Dominic just goes, Let's get in the ring and they both just go in the ring. Like Yep. <laughs> like they're like, Okay, yeah, you're right, now we do this. Like let's have it I out. Just lo- yes. I just love that. I thought like the sportsmanship and all that there, I was like, This is It was great. This is Oh, so good. So entertaining. Crowd loved it. Yeah, well, so what, I would loved you, it. what would you give the main event? I gave it four and a quarter. All right. I went four and a half. I loved it. Okay. And uh, right. Grapple, 4.18. I can't believe it's actually that low. I thought Jeez. it would be higher. Grapple? Right? Wow. I know. I don't know what Someone did not like this. Like, someone was like, zero. You know what? I can get it. Because some people were like, maybe Roderick Strong doesn't deserve it. the title. So, mm-hmm. I respect that. Uh, so, post-match, Undisputed Era attacked Keith Lee. Dominic Dijakovic, of course, beamed back to his home planet. Uh, he disappeared. <laughs> he just vanished. Uh, Yui is attacking Keith Lee. And then Ciampa's music plays, and he comes out with his crutch. And he faces down all of Undisputed Era on his own. And then Johnny Gargano's music plays, and he comes out. And he's facing off with uh, Ciampa and Undisputed Era. And everybody starts chanting for DIY as they look at each other. And they're ready to fight these four guys. And then Finn Balor's music plays. And everybody's going crazy. And they're all facing off uh, against Undisputed Era. It's the stare down. It's the stare down. And then this is, I thought, brilliant how this happened. Finn takes one step forward and it looks like he's going to attack Undisputed Era but what he's really going to do 
is he's going to do this Pele kick to Johnny Gargano. And it's ingenious the way it all plays out. Because the setup is that he needs to kind of take a step forward anyway to do the swinging back kick. But it looks Mm -hmm. like he's going forward to attack them. But then out of the blue, he does this kick. And it is such a perfect kick. It is. I give I give his uh, acting credit a little bit of, or his acting skill a little bit of credit there. Yeah, like that's what that was. Like I I went back and watched this. I thought it was so perfect. I went back and watched this a bunch of times, like you did with that Keith Lee dive. Mm-hmm. Everything I noticed. Well, is... Oh, go ahead. Everything I noticed. Johnny Gargano for a split second reacts like I'm gonna get him, and then he's like, "Whoa!" Like you can see it on his face. Like he knows the kick is coming. He can see it. And I thought that was great. Then on the reverse side, on Undisputed Era side, like Finn takes the step back. And as he's going into the air for the kick, Adam Cole takes a step back because he's going to get attacked. And Kyle O'Reilly's face, you can't see it because it's he's it's like a, a profile. But if you've Damn seen it. enough Kyle O'Reilly, you know he's making a big what face? <laughs> My favorite of this whole thing, though, is that after. After the kick landed, Finn Balor just got out of the way and let a bunch of people just wail on each other while so, he stood there and yes. like took in the chaos. So Balor kicks Gargano and he crumbles to the ground. And as soon as Undisputed Era realized what have, what's happened, all four attack Ciampa. And the crowd's going insane. And Finn is just walking around, staring at Gargano, looking at Undisputed Era, killing Ciampa. They pick up Ciampa... Cole hits the the last shot to the back of the head of Ciampa, and then Finn and Adam Cole share a glance. And they're still not sure what's happening. Finn Balor goes to the outside. He does this like uh, running drop kick to Gargano, who's like pulled himself up against the railing. He drop kicks Gargano through a railing and several interns at full sail. Yep. And then he drags poor Johnny Gargano's body over to the ramp and gives him the bloody Sunday, which is a move that he used to do all the time in New Japan. It's this face lock lifting DDT. And I watched this back a bunch of times because I needed to make sure Johnny Gargano was not dead because he went straight up and down in the air and he landed straight up and down on this ramp. Like, no, I think there, I think there was some coverage on his head. There may have been, but it looked brutal. It did not look fun. Uh, like, he should have, have a concussion. <laughs> and, yeah, like, he may have hit his... I mean, he may have actually hit his head on the ramp. Usually when you go up and down like that, the goal when you go down to the ground is not to land up and down. You want to land... best Worst-case scenario, you want to land, like, high on your shoulders. But yep. best-case scenario, you're back. Uh, but that is not how Johnny Gargano landed. He went straight up and down, and then Finn dropped him down, and he went. He landed straight up and down. So I presume he's okay. I haven't heard anything to the contrary, but it looked real scary. And Mauro Ronaldo's losing his mind here, and Undisputed Era are standing in the ring, and they look at Finn. And while all this is happening, I'll tell you what's happening in my mind. I remember back to the, the weird Finn Balor message that he delivered to us. His future will be his past. He's a bad guy again. Yes. And I'm like, his future will be his past. But he turned heel here. He's never been a bad guy in WWE. He's been a babyface since coming to NXT. He's never been a bad guy ever. The only time he's ever been a bad guy 
was when he was in New Japan in the Bullet Club. So, I mean, obviously that's what he meant. His future will be his past, but not his WWE past, his old no. New Japan past. We're and, going to the way, way back here. And I'm like, is that what they meant? That's pretty interesting. And, like, how are they going to do something with this? So, they're staring each other down, Finn and Undisputed Era, and Undisputed Era gives him the Undisputed Era gang sign. Their their hand gesture. And the crowd is, like, waiting for Finn to return it. Like, he's going to join Undisputed Era. But instead, he looks down at Johnny Gargano, and he gives him the Bullet Club guns. The thing that Finn invented, the, the, not the point, not the pointy finger with the thumbs up, but like the pointy finger with like the thumb kind of bent down. Cause he would like, you know, you can find find old gifts of it online, but like Finn doing like the finger guns where he's like bobbing his thumb up and down. Like Hmm. that's what he did. And I'm like, what are they saying here? Like he's doing They're the bullet the club bullet thing club back together. But here's the thing. <laughs> and they doubled down on this because they had Finn Balor on whatever it is, WWE Fox sports show. I don't remember. I don't know what it's called. Uh, but I watched the clip online and they're interviewing him and he's full heel in the interview. And at the end he says, the Prince is back. And before WWE he was known as Prince Devitt. I don't know if he owns that name. I presume he does own that name. So if he wanted to change his name, he could do it. Um, But the thing is, with Bullet Club, unless something crazy has happened and the news has not broken yet, they don't own Bullet Club. Like, New Japan owns Bullet Club. Uh, So he can't can't just start doing Bullet Club. Now, we were talking before the show started that... Like, they did this thing with, like, Gallows and Anderson and AJ Styles being like, whoa, it's about time, buddy. Uh, And maybe they'll do something with them. But I don't know if they're actually gonna. I'm of two minds, by the way, of this whole thing. But I'm curious to know. I've talked long enough. I need to take a breath. But I want to know what you thought of this (laughs) crazy ending to this show. I was like, well, so I also watched it several times. But WWE posted a minute-long clip of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the day after, um, uh, the day after NXT aired live. So I just yeah. watched that minute clip a few times because I was just like, "Holy crap!" It's and crazy. like, not for nothing, if you're gonna do a heel turn, like you're definitely like Johnny Gargano and NXT is the one to go against, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's it made all the sense. Um, I just thought it was perfect, like perfectly done. My big thing is now though is that we still don't know what match he's where he's going, like. What- like, clearly there's going to be a Finn Balor-Johnny Gargano thing. That'll be a really good match, but yeah. It'll be a great match, but, like, he still hasn't been in the ring, right? Yep. So, um, this is kind of the first time, really, he did any, he's done anything, so I'm just really mm-hmm. excited about where this is going to go. Um, because I feel like they keep teasing things, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, God damn it, just put him in the ring already. So, I wonder, maybe he's going to get a group. Maybe he's going to kick Adam Cole out of Undisputed Era, and then he's mm. taken over. Maybe maybe he's going to form <laughs> Balor Club, and it'll actually be an actual club this time. Yeah. Be a club of other wrestlers. Uh, allow me to be uh, glass half empty for a moment on this. Fine. I do love it. I loved it. I thought it was fresh. It's something new for his character. Um, it's something he has not done in WWE yet. So 
on all those, and I thought this was executed to perfection. Like chef, yes. chef kisses all around for everybody involved in this. I thought this was uh, it ridiculously was well done. done. Yes, well timed and everything. It was fantastic. If I'm being a little glass half empty on it, if I'm being a little pessimistic on it, it does feel a little. The feeling I get is a little bit of, creatively speaking, a little bit of desperation. Uh. They're, they're, the On rating, whose part? The ratings for this show are not doing super hot. Oh, yeah. So they needed a big move. I thought they wanted to do a big move. Now, this might turn out to be not such a great long-term move. I thought it would be smart to bring him in as the super conquering hero good guy for a while before doing something different with him. But this might be like a one week. This turns out great. But if they don't have a smart plan for him going forward if this was like a spur of the moment let's do something people are going to talk about thing Mm -hmm. um and they don't have a great follow-up for it i'm concerned about that but maybe they've got something in mind here they're certainly teasing stuff that i'm pretty sure they can't yeah well and they're they're also teasing stuff that i'm pretty sure they can't fully uh like deliver deliver on like bullet club like they really went heavy with like the bullet club guns and calling himself <laughs> the prince like they're really kind of hinting at it but maybe, maybe they will maybe they will do a one time AJ and Gallows and Anderson and Finn Balor team up against well, well UE. what i was what i was going to say um where i'm hoping this isn't going mm-hmm. but i'm sure it's going to because it's going to upset everyone mm-hmm and they seem to like to do that, is that they're going to have him to be heel in NXT for a little while, move yes. him back to the main roster, yes. and and join those gentlemen. Yeah, I hope this isn't a, a short term, but... Yeah, I hope so too, but we'll see what happens. By the way, he did say another thing, Finn Balor. I don't know if you saw the whole clip. I did. I love, I love where they're asking him about why he went back to NXT. And I actually can't really, I mean, he did try to put over the main roster. He's like, it's a block, he's like, it's a blockbuster. It's the Avengers. He's like, but it's Hollywood. He's like NXT. That's Broadway. Broadway. He's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're a real performer. (laughs) That's where the real actors are. Everyone. To go along with that. Johnny Gargano's shirt is uh, NXT for life. So like, I mean, (laughs) um, all right. So now that the dust has cleared, for this week of the battle, let's talk about the victors. Um, okay. It is, once again, a victory in the overall ratings for AEW. Uh, although there was real stiff competition for both of these shows, uh, because it was the beginning of the NBA regular season on that particular Wednesday, and also it was a World Series game also on that night. And I think that world series game got like 11 million viewers. So that's like a massive number for these days. So, uh, they had real stiff competition, but, uh, AEW exceeded the expectations and the ratings. People thought that they were going to drop real, real low. Uh, they dropped under a million. They did in the high nine hundred thousands, but that's a considered a really strong hold for them. People thought they were going to do much worse against the other sporting competition. Uh, NXT was in the 700,000s last week, and it dropped into the high 600s. So it is still struggling, and AEW is still murdering them in the the young 18 to 49. Well, 49 is not 
that young, I guess, but in the key demographic, uh, there it is. They're they're killing them uh, usually by double, which is weird to me because NXT feels like the cool WWE brand, but I, th- I think people are just so like yeah off WWE turned off by in it, general. So. Yeah, they might not they might just see anything WWE related and shy away from it for sure. Uh, so yeah, there is that. And if you're going on, so that's four wins in a row for AEW. Uh, I believe that's, I believe that's what it is. Is it four wins? That is four wins. Yep. Um, in a row for two weeks away from calling it two weeks away from calling it for a while. Um, this week for me personally was much tougher, uh, to judge. I almost want to call it a tie. Because it, it was that close. Both shows were really good. Both shows had really hot angles and uh, solid matches with uh, each show having at least one really great match. So it was a. it's tough. I don't... Are you going to allow me to say a tie? Or are you going to force me no. to pick a winner? I'm going to force you to pick one. Okay. Come on now. Uh, AEW by an edge. Like a, there you go. A, by, a, by a hair. Uh, but only... I'm going to give it to AEW by a hair, but only because the... This has nothing to do with the angles of the matches because I, they were pretty on par, but uh, AEW's presentation just feels fresher and bigger, probably because they're not filming it like every WWE event, and bigger because you know they're in, they're in bigger buildings. It's bigger, uh, yeah. So it, it feels it feels a little bit like a more of a bigger deal. And the presentation is a little fresher and newer. Um, they don't look like WWE shows, so uh, there's like. Those are small things, but when you're being forced, when you're being forced yeah. by your podcast partner to, to pick one. I am. Uh, and you're holding a digital gun to my head. I have no choice uh, but to, to go to these tiny details. Um, one more fun fact, by the way, because the, these numbers just came in as well. These aren't really related to the war. But <laughs> I would like to note, because of, the, because of another World Series game, SmackDown did not air on Fox this week. They aired on FS1. FS1, right? Yes. And now FS1 is still in a lot of homes, about as many homes as USA Network is. Um, And people were definitely expecting a big drop. They were doing like 2.4 million on Fox, which is also, I think, a big disappointment. But uh, they were doing about 2.4 million. Most people I saw that are smart about these sort of things we're suggesting 1.5 to 1.7 million on FS1. A drop in the ratings for sure, but that was what was expected. And the number came out today, and it was 888,000. Ooh! AEW beat SmackDown in view, yeah. total viewers. Which is... I, I know a lot of people are saying, like, it was on FS1 and there was World Series competition, but ultimately what it boils down to is 2.4 million people were watching on Fox. Fox really did heavily promote that the show's going to be on FS1 next week. Look to see where FS1 is on your guides, you know, that sort of thing. To me, it speaks to the lack of brand loyalty there is for WWE. Like, you're, like you're going to move it to another channel? I'm just not going to bother. Like, yep. it's not worth it to I me. I don't care. Like, you know, my TV happens to be on Fox on Fridays. I will watch it. If you're moving it to another channel, i got to go find it. Like, a pass. I'll just, I'll just wait till next week. Uh, <laughs> stunning that it did under a million. And, yeah, that's bizarre. And so AEW beat uh, SmackDown on the ratings. Now, next week they won't beat SmackDown on the ratings because it'll be back on Fox. But 
Uh, they have that one week. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if AEW continues to drop and NXT continues to drop or if they'll recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, by the way, not the war I was expecting to be covering here on these podcasts. Like, will they drop for a fifth straight week? Tune in next week to find out. But Please. here we are. The both shows are good. People should watch them. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are watching um, on demand and DVRing uh, the yeah. shows and things like that. And, you know, there's only so much one can do when you're in a situation like that, especially when you're trying to target the youngsters. Because as somebody with youngsters, couple, yeah, I'm an I'm an old man. So I've got I've got a couple of whippersnappers in my house. And uh, as somebody with a couple of younger kids, well, one's a an older teen, but the other one is not yet quite 10. And they both consume a lot of media, but almost none of it is through watching television, like flipping yeah, through fair. channels. They will watch stuff on Netflix or they will watch stuff on Hulu. And then the rest of it is like YouTube. Yeah. That's it. YouTube's a place to watch stuff. And Twitter. Yeah, like that's it. Like they don't watch like... The idea of the idea of flipping through channel numbers to find a show is foreign to them. They just don't do it. But no, we're getting very off topic. <laughs> they are. We're way off the rails, everybody. Uh, which means it's a perfect time to segue into plugging the sponsor, cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek. Uh, head on over there to pick yourself up some geeky apparel and collectibles, cinemageekly.com slash thinkgeek. Uh, or you can click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, and of course, while you're at cinemageekly.com, you can check out the archives of this show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for What Comes NXT and hit subscribe. And uh, that way you can hear us come back next time. Again, we're going to plant our flag. We're right about this North American Championship match. And unless they come up with something else, and they probably will, but unless they do, they haven't announced it yet, I'm going to go with the Fly Kicks against the Kabuki Warriors as the the main event as the main event for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship 